Go ahead, grab a seat. Thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, my name's Kyle. I'm the lead pastor here at Emmanuel, and as you've already heard, uh, we had a great week of camp this week. Mikey talked about and uh, blessed us with many puns about railroads there, uh, but uh, we had a great time talking uh, to kids from kindergarten up to grade five, all about this theme that Jesus' power is what pulls us through in life. And so I thought, you know, one, one of the shames as we get older is that we don't get to participate in camp. And so I thought this morning I'd share a message with you about how Jesus' power pulls us through. So uh, we're going to do that by looking at a passage of scripture from the book of Acts. If you have a Bible, feel free to pull it out. Head to Acts chapter 3 or on your phone. If you don't have a Bible with you, feel free to follow along on the screens. Uh, and the reason why we're going to the book of Acts this morning is because uh, it's really just this incredible book full of historical events and stories of how God worked to establish the early church. So after the resurrection of Jesus, some incredible things happened. God did some amazing thing through all sorts of different people. And so uh, there's no better place that I could think to go when we think of this theme about how it's Jesus' power that pulls us through different circumstances. And so we're going to look today at uh, one particular story of how Jesus did some incredible things uh, in some very unusual circumstances. And so we're going to look at uh, Acts chapter 3, verses 1 to 26, but we're going to start just with that first section. So follow along with me, if you've got your Bible, where we read this. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at about 3 in the afternoon. Now a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he put every, was put every day to beg from those who were going to the temple courts. Now let's just stop there for a second. I just want you to imagine for a moment uh, what this might have been like. There's a gentleman who has uh, a deformity. If, if we were to read Acts chapter 4, we would find out that he is about 40 years old. He was born with issues with his feet and ankles, never has been able to walk in his life. And so he gets carried by family or friends every day up to one of the gates called the Get Beautiful, which is this wonderful gate that was... Uh, had pounded fine metals on it. It shone in the afternoon sun. It was a great place to enter in to the temple every day to worship God. And, and there this man would be dragged by his family and they'd roll out a mat for him to sit on. And that's where he would beg every day. This was his only means of getting anything done. And so he sits there waiting. And then we read in verse 3 what happens next. It says, When Peter and John were about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him then, as did John, and Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them this attention, expecting to get something from them. And so we have he, he, this guy, he's sitting there, he, he's waiting as he always does. Uh, my, my suspicion is there's probably a level of, of shame and obscurity in who he is. And, and so it tells us, the, the, Peter and John have to actually say, look up at us. They grant him this moment of compassion. As these two guys, these two followers of Jesus come up, they say, hey, look at us. We want to offer something to you. 
And so this is a big deal. And, and these guys are, are, are important figures in the early church. These are two of Jesus' closest followers and friends, two men who have been through extraordinary things with the person of Jesus. They've seen incredible things. Uh, they've had some really high highs, some really low lows, and they're walking up to here. And this is what Peter says as the man looks up and reaches out his hand in verse 6. He says, silver or gold I do not have. Big letdown here. You can feel it, right? This guy's reaching out for money. And the first thing the guy says is, I don't have any. But he goes on, he says, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. And so Peter reaches out and taking him by the right hand, he helped the man up. And instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and he began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. I mean, imagine. This would have been crazy. I mean, you are a good Jewish person who's living in the city. You go every day to temple to pray. This happens every day, and it tells us that this guy, for as long as he can, uh, has been old enough to go out and beg on the street, has been sitting at this place. And they would have known him, whether they knew him personally or just by extension of having seen him going into the temple. People would have known this guy who is out on the street, got nothing going on. But all of a sudden, two guys, these infamous followers of Jesus, walk by, reach down, pull him up. Now, if you've ever seen someone walk for the first time after they haven't walked for a while, it's kind of like that opening scene in Bambi, you know, where Bambi learns to walk and he's kind of flippity-floppity all over the place. That's what someone, it's like. They, they don't have strength in, in their feet if we, and legs if we haven't walked in a long time. But the miraculous happens, and it tells us that as Peter reaches down and he says, I want you, in the name of Jesus, to get up and walk, it tells us that he gets this instant strength in his feet and in his legs. And so he doesn't just kind of walk and wobble, but instead he's able to get up straight. He's able to walk, and not only is he walking, but he's jumping around and we get this picture in the next verses in 11 and 12 that that he's jumping for joy holding on to the shoulders of Peter and John he's probably you know half hugging them half jumping around and it says while the Peter holds on to uh, while the man holds on to Peter and John all the people become astonished and come running to the place they call Solomon's colonnade and when Peter sees this he speaks to them and he asks them why does this surprise you this is really a sort of obscure thing that happens. It's kind of very strange. Not only is there the miraculous, but then there's the response from the one who just, or seemingly the one who just did the miracle. We see that all these people who've walked by this man so long, so many come and gather. And they're like, wow, this is incredible. Like, what, what happened here? You guys, Peter, John, we want to talk to you all about this. And look at what Peter's response is. This is, this is wild. Peter's like, what? Like, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness that we made this man walk? And then over the next number of verses... He goes on to explain that it wasn't him that performed the miracle, but it was God through him. It's because of Jesus 
that this all happens. In verse 16, we read, By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Peter does something really interesting here as he uses this moment of the miraculous to teach something far more important than just about one single healing. Jesus did something through Peter to provide something for the powerless, but now Peter goes on to explain that they're all powerless. He goes on and he points out, do you remember this guy Jesus? Do you remember what just took place? And these people all would have remembered. They would have been around during the time of Jesus walking around, teaching through the different temples. He likely would have taught right on those very steps many times. And and so he says, do you remember that Jesus who had come? He was God in the flesh, and he did this in order to bring hope. What happened before you, he says, is here to tell you about what you truly need. You know, this week we walked through our summer camp with the kids, and one of the things that we talked a lot about it is, is how can Jesus provide for us in so many different ways. We talk about how he brings hope and how he brings peace and how he brings a purpose and meaning to our lives. And it's, it's actually this incredible challenge, and I'm so thankful for those volunteers who try to teach this because you, you get five days with these kids and you try to cram this all in. But it's, it's so amazing to see uh, how that begins to work in their heart and some of the questions and thoughts they have. And, and you hear the kids really start, start saying things like, I, I want to see what God can do. I want to experience what Jesus means to pull me through. And, and they don't necessarily articulate it exactly that way, right? But you get these little snapshots from, you know, it's those moments out of the mouths of babes where these kids will just say something. And it's just, it's wonderful. And you see this genuine thing that we all carry with us through life. We all have these moments where there's things that we need to be pulled through. You know, some of those kids are going through, like, tough stuff. I remember hearing a story from up in the, the, the Bible story area where, where Hannah asked this question and some kids revealed some like, whoa, like we don't talk about that with our friends. Like you're talking about this with a stranger, right? They, they reveal this, these difficult circumstances that they want to see Jesus move in and we carry that, right? Don't we just carry with us so much of like this need for, for something to get us through? I mean, the man who sat in front of the, the temple gate, I mean, you, you gotta know. You gotta know if he's been sitting there every day for all of these years, unable to move, if he has to go to the bathroom, he's probably going there or dragging himself in front of people, getting mocked. Like anyone who has had a, a chronic illness knows that when you have an illness, you, you just need something to provide for you. You, you would do anything to, to, to have something. And we all get those moments We all live with different levels where we just need something to get us through. I mean, how many of us, when the alarm clock went off this week, said, oh, I need something to get me through today? How many of us uh, have gone through a a day at work and you just went, oh, please, 
give me patience. Get me through working with these people for, for one more hour until I can punch out. How many of us who are parents had the, that moment where it's like that hour before bedtime, that witching hour, and you're like, please just like get me through, Lord. I need you to pull me through. We, we, we've, we've had those moments. And that's why this message is so important is because Peter comes and he, he talks and he brings this message about how Jesus pulls us through, but he doesn't just bring it on a superficial level. It's not just for a moment or those little hours that we can really get through on our own, but he brings the message of what is even more important. He brings this message that we are all powerless in our lives, but he has the power to provide. And so after this guy is here, we see that Peter goes on to tell this important message in verses 13 to 26. So follow along with me in what he says. Peter says this. He says, The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has been glorified in his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed. You disowned him before Pilate, though he decided to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. But it is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him, as you now can all see. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, and that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus." Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be cut off from their people. Indeed, beginning with Samuel, all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of prophets and the covenant God has made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, through your offspring, all people on earth will be blessed. When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Jesus our Peter takes this moment to point out that the healing that was accomplished was accomplished in Jesus' name, but there was more healing to be had. And he actually walks those who are gathered to worship God at the temple, he walks them through their history. He takes them back to the prophets and the people who God established to allow his people to know him. He walks them through how these people who were gathered here, seeing the miraculous, hearing about the name of Jesus again, how they were the ones who sent Jesus to die on a cross, how they chose to release a murderer and instead send Jesus to the cross. They know that they are people who carry sin. But he also goes on and says this was accomplished so that God's purpose could be accomplished. That because all of us were distant from God when we are separated from him by our sin, those things that we do wrong that drive us away from God, because of what he did, we can have hope. And there's power in the name of Jesus. 
that message is still true today. Notice that in the passage it said, all of the peoples of earth will be blessed through Jesus' name. Peter wanted them to capture this message. Even, and that extends to us, right? We, 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 we maybe weren't the ones who crucified Jesus in the physical sense, but Peter wants all people to know, and God carried his word down through the Bible this way so that we would understand that Jesus' crucifixion was still because of our sin. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. The things that we do wrong, which go against God and his ways, has a toll. A debt accrues, and the only way to pay off that debt is through death. And so everyone who sins dies, and everyone who sins is separated from God, and that seems pretty hopeless. And we're powerless to do anything about that. None of us can come to church enough. We can't be good enough. We can't serve enough. We can't give enough to deal with that because the chasm's too big. God's holy. He's perfect. He's pure. He's blemish-free. He's set apart from anything that isn't good. And so we can't make that divide ourselves. But the debt still needs to be paid. So Jesus came. God himself came down to earth to live the perfect life that we have all failed to live, to die on the cross so he could be the substitute in death so that if we would put our faith and trust in him, he would pull us from death to life. He would pull us from outcasts to a member of God's family who would stand in relationship with him. This is the message that Peter wanted to bring. He said it's so much more than just about healing a physical body. It's about healing your soul, your spirit. It's about being in relationship with God. There is so much more than what you are seeing. You know, for some of us today, we, we, we maybe even come to church every week like those people went to temple every day and we think that we're doing good because we're doing the right thing but peter challenged them and by extension we're challenged by this passage do we have that relationship with jesus are we looking to him to pull us through because we certainly can't do it on whatever we do and so the invitation stands for every one of us that Jesus extends. He says, if you want to be saved, call on my name. Have faith in me. If you want to be provided for, if you want to experience my power, say, I need you to save me. Please forgive me. And the beautiful promise of all that that we can read elsewhere in the Bible is how God tells us that when we do that, we are forgiven. We are saved from our sins, but we're also brought into relationship with him. But not only do we go into relationship where, where there's some sort of distance or anything, but the Holy Spirit actually comes and lives with us and works in us and through us. And that's the other piece that we have to embrace as we think about this message of Jesus' power pulling us through. As we look at this, at this text, we see that, that, that we need to embrace that message. You know, as a church, we've been talking for the last number of months. I mean, we went through the Sermon on the Mount, and then we went through the book of Jonah, and, and we've been wrestling with this call, this role that we have to, to live and to fulfill, this responsibility that God's given to his people to, to go out and be 
the message bringers. We're supposed to bear this, this good news. We're supposed to go out into the world and share this amazing thing that God has done. Look, he can heal people. He can save people. He can make a difference. He can pull us through anything. That's what we're supposed to do. But, but still, we, we end up going, ah, what do I do? So scary. I don't know if I have the words to say. What if I screw it up? <laughs> But if I use the wrong language or do the wrong thing, and, and we don't know what to do. But for that, I would remind you what I've reminded us of time and time again, which is the call that Jesus put on his disciples. In Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, we read this. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. But catch this last bit. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. That's incredible. You know, so many of us lose sight of that little bit of a phrase, but I believe that phrase and what Peter saw is what changed and allowed for this experience to happen. Let's not isolate the Bible. Sometimes what we do, because we study the Bible verse by verse, especially when we're going through long books, is we end up like pulling out one verse and we remember a person at a snapshot in time. And in this snapshot in time, it's incredible. Peter is a superhero. I mean, like how many of us, really honestly, if there was a crippled person sitting in our parking lot, couldn't move, who was there every Sunday, how many of us, if we felt God said, reach down, grab their hand, and tell them that they're healed and pull them up, would do it. I can't put my hand up, right? Like, I, like, it, like, we would be like, what? Remember Peter. Peter wasn't a superhero. I love Peter. I resonate with Peter because he was passionate, but he just screws up all the time in his passion. We see that when Jesus is walking on water, hey, Peter, come on out. Yep, okay. Whoa, starts to sink because he can't even keep his eyes on Jesus, his focus on Jesus when the miraculous is happening with Jesus present. Peter gets this idea, well, I, I'm, I'm tough, I'm good, I'm going to be the defender of Jesus. So when Jesus says, I'm going to go and be captured and be in prison and tortured, Peter says, not on my watch. I got you, Jesus. What happens? He gets in prison, the first person who comes up to him, do you know Jesus? Nope. <laughs> Second person, nope. Third person, nope. Now I'm going to run away. Jesus is hanging on the cross, and where's Peter? Gone. In hiding stays in hiding for more than a month, hiding away, does not want to go and go out even after he's seen the resurrected Jesus initially until Jesus brings this message to him. Go, because I am with you. It wasn't under Peter's own strength, and Peter had realized that through his journey. It wasn't in him that any of the power was going to come, any change in the world was going to come, but it was God in and through him that would accomplish it. Have you embraced that? Have you allowed that to work in your life? I'm going to tell you, it's been something that's been huge for me. Uh, it's almost embarrassing to share this story, but I remember when I first started preaching, um, I used to get really nervous like really nervous. I got the like upset tummy, sort of nervous. Like I was booking it for the bathroom every time right before service because I didn't want that to happen up here on stage. 
You know, and I remember the first couple years that I was preaching, uh, I would go, and, and, and rightfully so, there, there, there's this burden that comes with this role. It's not a burden, but it's a, you know, this weight where you have to. Like, I'm here, I believe that I'm supposed to be bringing the Word of God and ex- expounding on it and, ex- you know, trying to help us follow Jesus. It, it's a serious role. It's very important. But, but the problem was I wasn't nervous about it because of that. I was nervous about it because I was like, what if I don't say the right words? What, what, what if I don't have enough in me? I don't have a compelling enough illustration. I don't have a great enough connection to, to be able to do something. And I remember I would get this nervous stomach every time until one day someone challenged me. They said, what are you nervous about? It's not you who does it anyways. You can preach the biggest flop in the world and God can still do something. You can preach the the rock star sermon in your mind and God's going to do nothing because you're doing nothing through his power. And I began to wrestle with that and I realized, yeah, it's not on me. I'm here, I'm called, I'm doing what God has gifted me to do. I'm going to pray, I'm going to prepare, I'm going to rehearse. But at the end of the day, none of that's going to be what makes a difference in anyone's life. It's only God who can do it. And it was incredible. Not only did that change how I would approach preaching, but that changed how I approach just life and ministry. Like, I used to be scared of having conversations with people and worrying, like, am I going to wreck this relationship? Am I going to offend someone? Am I going to turn someone off Christianity for life because of, of what I say? And I suddenly realized, that's not what's happening. God's going to work. God's going to draw people. Do I really believe in the resurrected Jesus, in his power? Do I really believe that his Holy Spirit is with me and working through me? And it's the Holy Spirit who does the work. If I can believe that, I can go and do whatever God calls me to do. Because he's doing it. He's with me. He's in front of me. He's behind me. He's beside me. This is the message that we have to cling to. So many of us end up looking and we say, ah, Peter, he can do it. Oh, the pastors, they can do it. Oh, the missionaries, they can do it. And we let ourselves off the hook because we go, because me. This passage tells us it's not about you. It's about God and what he can do. And the beautiful thing about who God is is he invites us to be a part. He could do it all on his own. He doesn't need any one of us to go, but he invites us in and he chooses to work through us. Will we embrace that? Will we grab hold of that and live that truth out? Today, the question that I want you to leave with is, do I believe that Jesus has the power to pull me through? If you're not yet a follower of Jesus, do you believe? Can you read and hear about what he can do for you to take you from death to life? If you believe, I'd tell you today before you leave, cling to that message. Pray to God. Call out to him. God, save me. Forgive me. Help me to follow you because I know you have the power to pull me through. For the rest of us, if we have been living our Christian faith and you find that there's a person or a place that God's calling you to go, a difficult circumstance he's calling you to speak up in, I would encourage you. Go to the book of Acts. 
read through how God worked. I mean, Peter's just one of a ton of examples of people you would never pick for your team to accomplish the work, but amazingly, God works through so many people and allow that to encourage you, to prepare you. Ask the Holy Spirit as you read that word, God, help this to be me. Not me accomplishing it, but me set aside and just living in the way you call me to live so that you can do incredible things to pull people through. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this word. And God, it, it's, it's a challenge. God, the, the miraculous sometimes stretches us. Sometimes this idea of, of going and doing things is uncomfortable because, God, we, we, we worry about ourselves. We, we, we get in our own way. And God, I just pray that you would help us to move out of the way and let you through. God, I pray for everyone here who maybe is struggling with... Uh, with the sense that, that you have the power. And God, maybe, maybe we say it in our mind, but we don't allow it to, to come to our heart. God, I pray that, Holy Spirit, just, just open us up. Just allow us to receive this, this great message that we can hear from this passage today. God, I pray that we would be a people who would be bold and courageous, who would go out in, into the city of Abbotsford, in, into the lower mainland, across our province, or around the world. God, would we be people who would go boldly and courageously because we know that it's you who does the work. And God, as we go, would we see your name glorified? Would we see more of your kingdom come, more of your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? And God, we go. And we celebrate who you are because of what you have accomplished. And so, Lord, now as we respond through song, as we prepare to, to, to go and, and, and give and to serve and to make a difference in our community, Lord God, would we respond to you with such great praise, knowing that it's you alone who pulls us through. And we pray for this by the power of the Spirit in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen.